In the mines of South Africa, work-related accidents claim the life of one worker every 44 hours. One company, Anglo-American, lost 46 miners a year between 2002 and 2006. Today, we'll hear from Professor Gautam Mukunda about his case entitled Cynthia Carroll at Anglo-American. I'm Brian Kenny, and you're listening to Cold Call. So we are all sitting there in the classroom. The professor walks in. And, and they look up, and you know it's coming. Oh, the dreaded cold call. Professor Makunda teaches leadership and organizational behavior in the MBA program at Harvard, a course that focuses on how managers become effective leaders by addressing the human side of the enterprise. That's a topic that relates directly to the case that we're going to discuss today. Gotham, welcome. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. So I wonder if you could start just by setting up the case for us. Tell us, how does this case begin? So the case begins with Cynthia Carroll on, in a helicopter on the landing pad in South Africa. She's about to take off as she goes to visit the next Anglo-American facility. She's fairly new in her term as CEO of Anglo-American, just been there for a few months. Mm -hmm. And she was hired not just from outside the company, but from outside the industry. Her previous career was actually in aluminum. Mm -hmm. When you think about Anglo-American, what I tell the students is, don't think about it like a company. Think about it like the Marine Corps. Uh -huh. That's about the scale that we're talking about, 150,000 people operating in about 40 countries around the world. Mm -hmm. And so she begins her term as CEO by basically trying to visit every one of these facilities. And she's going around from place to place, learning about the company, getting a frontline feel for it. Mm -hmm. And then just as the helicopter is about to take off, the head of Anglo Platinum, their platinum mining subsidiary, comes out and pulls the door open and says, Cynthia, I'm sorry, I have really bad news. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that a miner has been killed in a mining accident in the Rustenburg Platinum Mine, which is the largest platinum mine in the world. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it turns out this is the fifth miner who has been killed in an accident in this mine, just in the few months that Cynthia has been the CEO. Yeah. And she's got to deal with this. She's got to decide what to do. We're going to get back to uh, that specific incident and that mine a little bit later. But can you just start by telling us why you decided to write this case? What prompted you to write it? Cynthia tells her story uh, and what she did at this company, and it was just breathtaking. One of these things that you sort of make you feel enormously proud to be part of Harvard Business School, that one of our graduates could have this kind of a transformative impact mm -hmm. on not just a company, but an industry. And so I wanted to tell, I actually wanted to teach the story to my students. So Cynthia was a, was a really unusual pick for Anglo-Americans for this role. Tell us why. Absolutely. And that's another reason I wanted, to, I wanted to study her, because my research and my book are about these sorts of unconventional leaders who come in and have enormous impacts on the organization that they lead. And so Cynthia was unconventional in every way you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. Anglo-American had never been led by an outsider. It had never been led by a non-South African. And no company in the history, no significant company in the history of the mining industry had ever been led by a woman. Mm -hmm. And Cynthia Carroll was an American outsider non-miner. So this is an extraordinary combination of differences to, for her to, for, to deal with. What kind of a leader is she, if you had to describe her leadership qualities? Decisive. The first thing you notice about Cynthia is, I have no idea she's introspective, but she does not doubt herself ever. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when she came to our class, the students pressed her on this because they just couldn't believe it, right? Yeah. They couldn't believe that anyone would be this certain under these stakes. And they asked her again and again, did you ever doubt the choices you made? And her response was, never, not once. She said, you make a choice and you move forward. You don't mm -hmm. look back. Mm -hmm. um, so the first thing you say is decisive. The second is deeply analytical, right? This is someone who really engages with sort of, who wants to get her fingers dirty understanding how the minds actually work. Mm -hmm. 
The third, and uh, and equally tied to that, is this is someone who, who cares deeply about the people she works with. You can see that the choices she made were absolutely designed to sort of benefit all the stakeholders of Anglo-American and deliver value to shareholders, deliver value to every part of the company. Mm-hmm. But they were also deeply institutionally, sort of deeply moral choices, where she was like, as she said at one point to the board, I will resign before I lead a company that kills this many people every year, yeah. right? This is not a negotiable situation. It's important to realize that the company she's taking over was was in no way the bad guy, right? Anglo-American had probably the best safety record of any mining company in Africa. Anglo-American was the first company to offer free HIV tests to its workers. It was the first company to offer free antiretroviral drugs to its workers. So this is a company with a history of actually trying to do well by the yeah. people who work for it. And yet it was losing more than 40 people a year in mining accidents. Can you talk a little bit about the politics and the history sure. that she had to confront as part of this? So this is, I, I, I mean, I say without qualification or reservation, the most complex environment I have ever studied for any corporate leader to have operated in. Sort of every issue you could think about that a leader might deal with, many leaders with, who were dealing with in isolation would say this was difficult. She had to deal with them all at once, mm-hmm. right? So you have a workforce that 70% of it is illiterate that speaks nine different languages, Mm -hmm. right? And it's entirely possible that none of those nine languages are English or Afrikaans, which are the languages spoken by the supervisors of the company. You have the legacy of apartheid, which is still deeply felt, of course, in South Africa. You have political tensions where the mining industry has a history of essentially using apartheid to generate cheap labor to generate profits in South Africa that the government of South Africa understandably resents. And so they are not favorably disposed Mm -hmm. towards mining companies. Mm Right. As she came in, in fact, when Anglo-American had just moved its corporate headquarters from South Africa to the London and had now re- was now registered in the London Stock Exchange. Yeah. So that had caused problems in South Africa, right, before, even before she joined. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> in addition to that, this is a very, very dangerous work environment. And in the Rustenburg mine in particular, they were doing the most dangerous kind of mining. That's right. So to quote, to quote a line from the case— this is deep underground hard rock mining. This is the most dangerous thing people do. Mm-hmm. And that is not an exaggeration. Um, when you think of a mine, I th- when I, before I did this and I actually visited the mine and went a mile underground to visit the mine to see, get the feel for what it was like. That must have been interesting. It was extraordinary. Rustenburg is platinum mining through solid rock a mile underground. Mm-hmm. So don't think of it like a hole in the ground. Think of it like a city of 30,000 people done in tunnels underneath one mile of solid rock. Mm -hmm. That's the experience you have to have if you want to imagine what it's like to be in Rustenburg. And so everything you mine, you have to haul vertically up a mile just to get the ore before you can refine it. And just to make things even more fun, when you're in Rustenburg, and think about it, right? This is a 12-hour shift you're working here. So if you're claustrophobic, you don't want this experience, right? right? You're carrying about 40 pounds of equipment. it's, It's hot. It's wet. It's loud. And because anything you mine, you have to haul up a mile, right, a mile to the surface. It's really important that you only mine the platinum-bearing rock, right? You can't mine other stuff because Mm -hmm. it's just too expensive. And you cite uh, in the case that it takes, uh, was 280 tons of platinum to make one ring. 280 tons of ore to make one ring. That's right. Amazing. All taken from a mile underground. And so in this case, the reef at Rustenburg is only one meter thick. Mm -hmm. It's about the height of a desk. And so you spend those 12 hours, and I did this with a steam drill, on your hands and knees with your head touching the ceiling, drilling in a one-meter-high space. So that's what a shift in the mines is like. And it is, you know, I don't think there's another environment like it on Earth. 
And you do something unique when you teach the class. Can you describe uh, how you start the class off? I really wanted them to get the feel for what it's like. And I mean, it's impossible to do that in a, you know, in any realistic sense. But what I did do is the first time somebody talks about what it's like to be in a mine, almost always someone in a section has been in a mine. I say, okay, but let's stop for a second. Let's process that. So everybody get under your desk. And mm-hmm. I have every single one of them get under the desk and sit under the desk. And believe me, they want out, right? Like they, they want to <laughs> yeah. be under and like, ooh, that was great, you know, bounce back out. It's like, no, I want you to stay under the desk for, mm-hmm. for a minute or so while I talk. And just imagine what it's like being in this posture for 12 hours mm. while you're doing just incredibly heavy physical labor that entire stretch of time. That's being in the mines. How do students react to the case so there's an interesting mixture. You'll have people, so there are some people who are horrified, who just find the idea that anyone would die in a mining accident in a company just to be unacceptable. And in fact, Cynthia herself had said that her goal as the CEO of Anglo-American was zero harm. They mm-hmm. should never have a single person hurt. And then there are some some students who think, well, you know, every one of these jobs has 100 people applying for it, which is true, right? There are people compete desperately to get one of these mining jobs because they, given the unemployment rate, for people in South Africa. We may not think of it as a good job, but they Mm -hmm. often do. So the fundamental question that the protagonist, Cynthia, in Mm -hmm. this case faces is, does she decrease production? Does she shut down operations? What is she she trying to address ultimately? She has to decide that, right? This is, in fact, it is a wonderful moment because you are the CEO of one of the world's most important companies. This is as high as the stakes ever get. So we're talking more like 600,000 people might be dependent on what decision she makes here. Mm-hmm. What is the most important thing for her, right? Should they keep producing? And Rustenberg is not a trivial thing. Rustenberg is the largest platinum mine in the world, mm-hmm. right? So everything she does has global impact. Is the most important thing making sure that no one else dies and doing whatever you have to do to stop that? Does that mean just shutting down the mine? In the knowledge that in the history of South Africa, no company has ever voluntarily shut down a mine for safety reasons. Mm-hmm. Is the most important thing continuing with operations and what is, after all, a commodity business, right? Mining is the quintessential commodity business. So they don't. it's not like Anglo-American has market power. If, if they don't sell platinum, somebody else will. They have customers who need that platinum. We think of platinum as jewelry, but platinum is actually most important for catalytic converters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a profound industrial need to keep producing right. this quantity, right? Um, you have shareholders. Yeah. In fact, many of Anglo-American shareholders are pensioners in South Africa who depend on this for their retirement. So all of the stakes here are about as high as you can get. And she has to decide pretty much at that moment, what is her hallmark going to be as the CEO of Anglo-American? What is her legacy going to be? Mm-hmm. And how is she going to execute on that? And I won't ask you to tell us how that ends in class. Uh, if there's a, a a rising manager out there who's in a similar situation where they're working in a, an environment where people's safety is at stake and, mm-hmm. and they're concerned, they're aware of things, and, and they, they need to manage that. Is there some takeaway from this case that they should have? The most important thing is simple. Never, ever underrate what you as a leader can do. Never underestimate the capacity for change that you might have. If Cynthia had said the day she took the job, this is what I'm going to achieve. This is what I'm going to do while I'm the CEO of Anglo-American. I think anyone else would have said that's impossible. Mm-hmm. It can't be done. No one can do this in the South African environment. And that didn't stop her. And I think you can know that it doesn't stop you either. So this is a leader who had in her hand hundreds of lives, right, and could decide what happened to them. And so when I used to say nobody dies in business, no, people do. And you can change that if you decide to. Professor Gautam Akunda, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Brian.
You can find the Cynthia Carroll case online at hbr.org. I'm Brian Kenny, your host, and you've been listening to Cold Call.